WOZOLP Knoxville. 103.9 FM. We are streaming online at WOZORadio.com. Knoxville Community Radio. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WOZO Radio. Thank you for listening to the little radio station that could. Mic check, check, microphone check, microphone check. This is DJ Lord Fader. My show is Anarchy Now. Between the hours of 8 and 10 o'clock Saturday nights, you will listen. You will listen. show now that i've got this rolling i can start pushing some buttons i'm gonna go ahead and get this just where i need it wozo 103.9 there we go i had this amplifier hooked up you are and i can even back down on that if i could get a dj to give me a call and give me a microphone check i'm running with a new mic i'm going to give it a little more gain and uh, yeah, microphone check up here at the station. We are three 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 five nine three seven, and I'm of course back from the woods. Your crusty, ever burnout, uh, anarcho DJ Lord Fader. That was General Strike show that just happened. Uh, let's get some of the mechanics out of the way first. You're listening to W O Z O one O three point nine LPFM here in Knoxville, Tennessee, the Great Central Valley. You can get us at wozoradio.com, where you can also listen to us on live, um, live on air. Yeah, I guess that's what I'm saying. You can listen to us live on air. I'm going to be kind of careful with my beats and music. They're doing some live recording um, next door in the sort of the conscious spoken word studio, and I want to honor and respect that and make sure I don't uh, – you may hear some of the background when I'm on the microphone. We've got a little bit to talk about this evening, my uh, f- listeners. We've got, for one quick note that I found out today, on April 20th, which I believe is uh, – the leader of the German party at one time, shall we speak, birthday. Uh, some right-wing religious gun-toting relig- fanatics uh, based out of Lenore City, it's like the Patriot Church, something weird like that, is going to go down to Planned Parenthood and get their supremacy on and harass women. And uh, you may be familiar with that uh, particular 
uh, clinic, I caught a shotgun blast that I asked around. That was the one off Cherry Street. And apparently the uh, broadcast, just how it happened, it was obviously intentional. It was with a shotgun, and somebody fired a few rounds into the clinic. Well, on April 20th, uh, these religious fanatics fools, they're like, what gun would you? They say, yeah, they have. I saw one of their little things. It was like pro-choice, pick whatever gun you want. And uh, what a weird, it's like, which AK would Jesus carry? But I'm going to put that on your radar right now for April 20th. Uh, Sunday, we are going to have a tarp and twine giveaway for the homeless citizens down at the Blackstock, where the Blackstock camp used to be. Also, I believe this very morning or yesterday morning, uh, the city uh, raided uh, some more homeless camps. And miraculously, it ended up that those people really didn't need shelters, identification, prescription medications, or their VA records. It had all been a big lie. The mayor apparently came and waved her magic homeless wand and drove around them three times in her favorite crack tank with her mask on. And suddenly they didn't need that stuff anymore. Actually, they did need it. And, you know, as y'all, we're in the rainy season in Knoxville right now. And that's why we're giving away tarps and everything. At the last protest, people were snatching them up and we brought them as an afterthought. But you may have noticed it's been raining a lot and the temperature's been hitting around in the 50s. Meanwhile, the city of Knoxville has industriously been going around taking people's rain gear, sleeping bags, tents, tarps, and throwing them away. Throwing away. In fact, there was a quote from one of the homeless guys. Apparently, he said, and this was in a quotation marks, he goes, they were like, you have 10 minutes to take everything down and get out. He was like, I need more than 10 minutes. And they said, you got two. You know, why don't they ever, like, harass attorneys? I mean, when you go after folks, citizens that have been so marginalized, economic refugees, people who are not living really on the streets as a matter of choice, but often because they are veterans, they have mental health issues, they have drug addiction issues, they have work issues. We're not that far. All of us are one major illness away from being broke. And it's it'd be one thing if the the city would go after like lawyers or you know dentists or people that have resources and the law and can fight back. But when sort of the the state goes after its least vulnerable, of course they do. It's the easiest way to do it. And it's because, let's be honest, shutting down these camps is a means of social control against the poor. Homelessness is a, me- it's a means of social control. Jail is a means of social control against the poor. It's just a further way of controlling people who have the most gain from radical revolution and change. And it's just it's convenient that way. Because it makes every problem worse. And anybody with a lick of common sense walking this green earth knows that you, you, when you now, right now in Knoxville, can you imagine if you were living outdoors here and you didn't have a rain jacket anymore or a tent? And you're just basically walking around and you can't go into the shelters for any number of reasons. One, maybe you're concerned about COVID or tuberculosis or any of the other illnesses. Or two, you don't like the sheer amount of drugs or violence that are in some of these shelters. But... You suddenly have your, or imagine you're a parent and you're trying to keep your family, your wife, your significant other alive. And all of a sudden you're desperate with nothing. And you were already pretty desperate, but now you don't have identification anymore. Now it's, you're in Knoxville, it's hitting the fifties and it's raining, torrential raining. My rain catchment system, I mean, we're in a temperate rainforest that can get cold and to throw away people's tarps. 
And that is a war against the poor. That is an act that if a country came in to any other country and began just stripping people's shelter, their identification off of them, and their prescription medications off of them, and did it in a cavalier fashion, it would be a war crime. It would be a war crime. That's what we would call it. It wouldn't be people wouldn't if another foreign country did that. If Russia had done that, and when they took over Czechoslovakia or the you know any of the past invasions or colonialist occupations in history, that would be considered a despicable war crime to take people's basic means of survival from them, largely often on public land, definitely trying to be in the cracks where they can't be seen. We'd consider it a despicable war crime. Yet somehow when our county government and our city decide they want to um, get rid of the unsightly, to put it politely, it's, well, you know, it, they do hurt themselves with the Orwellian doublespeak, the comfortable, when they do it. I mean, it's, they've stopped for a bit. Now they're stopping because they, the last round they tried, apparently their public relations officer was woefully unprepared for the fight he started. Because he went all Orwellian and even tried to get up a little muster, a little outrage. Now, people are calling these raids. Really, it's a cleanup. It's a cleanup. And I think what happened is it got back. There's a little bit of a backlash because we know what, clean, what you clean up. Dirty things. It's saying that citizens that are refugees that are homeless are dirty and we're getting rid of them. We're driving them deeper into the cracks. That's a cleanup. That's a little bit too uh, 1940s when you describe citizens in those fashions, but it was the truth. It was the truth. It's how these comfortable oligarchs view people who are on the edges. And I don't know if it's fear-based, if it's based on trauma, but it's, and it, 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 what hurts me the most is two things. One is, is a dirt worshiping, tree hugging, earth firster. I've locked myself to bulldozers. I actually, the last bulldozer was uh, when they tried to put that road through the northern boundary of the park used a kryptonite bike lock i've been in tripods i have you know i've seen and as a tree hugger it's just stupid to see people camped out on sidewalks uncomfortably in the dirt on corners in front of oceans of public lands where you know we literally crowd them together even tighter and packed when we're right at the Blackstock camp you've got like entire miles almost of just open flat gravel by a creek that flows through the middle you know, we could do different we could do better but yeah no there's some more raids that just happen and they keep timing them i guess well at least they're not doing it right before winter which has been a couple of rounds with our county and brave city and it's not that it's like not like the cops really want to go in there and do this it's the people that are above them it is it is the city council that's responsible for this it's our mayor and our last mayor i would have had better ambitions for i would have think she had a vote she was based in permaculture which is at least looks at humans living on the land and we know it doesn't work it doesn't work it only drives people out of uh, you know, away from like the fourth and Gill, you know, the, from our neighborhoods, from the gentrifying neighborhoods. Knoxville's gentrifying everywhere. And as it gentrifies, of course, the people trying to profit from it, they don't want these sort of remembrances of the economic cost of capitalism everywhere, these people. And not one house in West Knoxville is worth a single homeless life or even a finger on somebody. They, what right do they have to create? And that's the only right. They don't have arguments for why they're busting up these camps. 
there after uh, 200 years of trying to break apart camps, occasionally violently, occasionally deadly across America, no one has yet to present a coherent argument as to why it works. And you know of breaking up camps because they've been doing it for decades in Portland and California and everywhere, and they do it again and again and again and again and again and again. Or they just flip and say, okay, we're not going to tear down any of them, and then let just stuff happen. Which is silly. You know, we need to get, we need to go to the middle ground. Those bridges are not, they're going to be transitional housing because they're loud. They're loud. Nobody's going to want to stay under those bridges. It's not a matter of choice. It's necessity. But we could at least put porta potties, provide means people of doing laundry, provide mean places to go to the bathroom, centralize the services, make it a little more comfortable. Make it a little more comfortable. And the city, what they argue, and I've gotten this argument for a lot of, like the last few decades, whenever this is brought up, they go, liability. Oh, we can't do that. We'd be responsible for those people. I got news. You are responsible for them. They are citizens. The city is by definition responsible for these people. And the homeless population is only going to increase I mean, right now they are killing entire forests to print money to keep this staggering capitalist Frankenstein economy tottering. There, we're fighting wars all across the planet, dumping money into the military-industrial complex, just printing, killing entire forests to dump money into the health-industrial complex. They are getting massive waves of tax funds, and even we're getting a trickle. We're getting a trickle. You know it's bad when they start giving money, the government starts giving money to people that actually need it. And it's not the writings on the wall. You know, it's it's we're going to have the evictions. I think June is when the date, the moratorium date is going to finally cut. And you're going to start seeing people a lot more on the street. And this is how our city is responding now. We better get in front of this. We got to get in front of this and make them start, force them, drag them if we have to, kicking and screaming to the cool waters of rationality and logical thought. It's not even like the demands are that we're what we're demanding is irrational. What they're doing is irrational. What they're doing is making the situation worse by every measurable metric. Pick a metric. Pick a metric. Take somebody that's desperate and marginal and then strip them of their prescription medications, strip them of their resources. Pick a metric by which it's going to get better. How can you even argue with a straight face that the likelihood of crime is going to go down when you make people more desperate? How can you possibly say with a straight face that they're less likely to die of drug overdoses when you push them off into the alleys with no resources? How can, by what you can't? And we're not hearing those arguments for the city. They're just doing it, but they're not even engaging in debate, discussion, which is a shame because that's one of the ways you could improve the situation. It's through the debate, through the argument. We got to afflict these comfortable people, folks. And I've been thinking about it a lot. The, what the next city county commission meeting? You know, the, if the anti-maskers can go and raise so much noise and disobey the rules, we should put tents up with protest signs right in that lawn by the city county building when they have their meeting. We should give out information about why this is a bad idea. We should be at that podium because right now there isn't any tension. There's no tension. Everybody, they're relaxed with what they're doing. They're just continuing on doing it. You know, they're just like, oh, well, because they don't see political power and they don't see a political cost for their actions. We have to manifest power. We have to agitate, propagandize, and then we have to manifest political power. 
and which is going to bring me to a different point. But you've had to listen to me for about 13 minutes. Uh, yeah, if one of my listeners could give me a microphone check, I know I got at least one out there. We're eight six five three 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 five nine three seven. Uh, three 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 five nine three seven. You can also hit me up on Facebook. Uh, we're live streaming this show, and I'm partially demasked. I'm going to remask up a bit, but there's nobody in the studio, so yeah, I'm doing my part. And uh, go from there. So once again, you're listening. This is uh, General. No, I'm not General. I've I've been working all week long. I'm a little worn right now, y'all. So. Uh, bear with me as I struggle through. We're just going to I've been doing a lot of theme music the last couple of weeks. Uh this week this weekend I'm this evening I'm just going to kick back and play some music I want to hear with you all. So grab it if you got it, get your beverage, you know, blaze it if you've got it, kick back. That sounds like my microphone check and uh let's get started. People's Radio. Okay. I shot a man in Reno just 
on FanDuel Sportsbook all March long, including a... Kind of slid through the cracks there. Uh, that was Funky Destination. Revolution is the only solution. Uh, it's called the Inside Man, the Super Soul Remix, and um, it's kind of eased into that by accident. I want to address something really quickly. I've noticed something in the sort of because I've I've got I've been a crusty burnout organizer for decades. And I never really stopped since I hit the age of 16. I've always been organizing something. I don't get, you know, incarcerated quite as much as I used to, but I'm still there. And I've noticed something that sort of happened in various movements because I've got people in various movements on my various social media platforms and other, and I try to pay attention. And what I'm seeing is a lot of people bickering over well, a word I can't say on the air right now. I saw I was talking to my partner the other day, and I, she admit she was telling me about a group of people fighting. And like in broad strokes, basically in one day, I saw 
members of like sort of the trans community attacking members of the gay community attack people attacking members that's environmentalist going after arguing with women and it was just all the different movements right now and group people it's like i'm seeing a lot more folks attacking folks who should be their allies a lot you know it's to almost and i just pointed it out to her i was like you know that's like the fourth example i've gotten today across the span of various movements of just bickering and infighting one of the common threads, and it's, and after that, it's been, I just got another one. I'm like, wow, because I've been watching the pulse beat for a bit. Like, I just doing the public service announcements the last six years at the station of all the activist groups just in Knoxville. And of course, I have my links and my friends with Food Not Bombs in California and San Francisco with the Earth First groups in Oregon and the Idaho campaign, just the various campaigns I've drifted across in West Virginia. Virginia, Kentucky, Tennessee, of course, and all the various, you know, I got sort of a, what am I trying to say, platform that I can see from. And what I'm seeing right now is, a, and there's some common threads in the bickering. Uh, agency, I guess, is a word that's being used a lot. You don't have agency to speak for X, Y, or Z in what you're doing. And I mean, I see the, and I almost got sucked into one. There was one bickering argument that involved intersections of Cardi BD's new WAP video and a, a mother who was pregnant, uh, who had kids talking about it. And then it was just, it was all mixed up. And I, I almost got involved. I almost got involved. But then I just stopped commenting because there's so many opportunities right now to just see all this sort of infighting and people that are, like I said, natural allies. And part of it, I think, I mean, one of the things that's changed is Trump is gone. And Trump was kind of like a, our North Star, sort of the lodestone. I don't know if that's what's going on. And as people feel like we've sort of some folks are like one, but there's a disarray right happening in the ranks. And there's no longer like not everybody's just focusing on that one. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. I had another friend uh, try to explain it, and she said it was trauma. She said, no, all these people have trauma, and part of their trauma is insecurity. And then when they hear that, you know, it's went into a complex. But for me, I'm like a nuts and bolts logistics organizer. That's, you know, if you really want to understand my sort of organizing mentality, it has always been move the food, do stuff, do stuff. The talking is like, okay, afterwards and stuff, but sort of the – my definition of anarchism has largely revolved around the person that's sweeping with the broom at the end of the meeting, the person that's cutting the vegetables. Anarchism to me is a verb with a lot of theory, but primarily at its best is a verb, is an act. You're an anarchist. You you bring tents. You bring food. You bring real – when you have allies, alliance to me from my sort of anarchist platform means that not talk, not talk. When I have a group or individual that's trying to be allies, and especially when I was actively organizing with groups of different, of larger sizes than now, I met that I would bring bullhorns, food, lawyers, legal support money. To me, that's what a lot, being an ally really means. But I'm, yeah, and I see from this platform and seeing all the different reasons that everybody's coming up with why they're right and the other person is wrong and the bickering. And there was even some backlash against uh, the last sort of relaxed rally we had about the homeless deal that happened, I think, two weeks ago. And I'm sure there will be in the future. And 
I'm seeing it pop up about these right wing. And the scary part of it is uh, the bad guys, you know, the the far right, the you know, who are talking about. They're not bickering with one another quite so much. You know, the active Nazi party and the uh, Roper's crew and the uh, ortho, the traditionalist and the, all, all the folks that are still out there. And I've, you know, I know what I'm talking about. They're not, they're just sort of kicking back and watching because now they have the sort of the common, you know, everybody horns out mentality. But the, I'll finish with this is that I was talking to a friend about immigration issues because you know, something was happening along those lines as well. And I said, no, now is the time when you make your demands. Now is the time you get in the streets because we know Biden's going to sell us out. You know, it's it's almost easier for them to do it for the oligarchs to, you know, let their little dogs they own do what they want when uh, they put a smiley face on fascism. You know, the state is still murdering people across the globe. The state is still putting homeless people, breaking up the camps. The state is still incarcerating Americans for nonviolent drug offenses. The state is still murdering people with death roads, robots across the globe. It is murder as usual. The business hasn't changed. It's just they've changed different puppets. Now is the time that we need to be hitting the streets and fighting back and demanding, saying, no, it's not okay, you know, for you still to have kids in cages, basically. We don't care if you've got a D in front of your name. That doesn't make it acceptable. Now is the time where, but if you are listening and you see this, I'm just sort of, I was thinking about it the other day, uh, gardening, and I was just like, I'm sort of like the organizer right now. I'm just sort of huddling under my tarp in the rain, you know, putting together my machines and everything to resist and just letting this storm blow over because it's going to burn people out for one. It drives people out of the movements. It's divisive. It breaks things apart, especially when natural allies are attacking. And what do they say? Like families fight the, you know, the most intensely. You know, it's like people, I, I see the intensity and the anger and the rage, and I'm like, wow, you all, you know, I pity your actual enemies because your friends, people that are doing stuff for you. And I, there, there are a lot of examples, but I, um, you can see it yourself if you're plugged in or if you're just in a single movement right now. And I, I would invite you, because that's my hypothesis right now, maybe because it's Trump is gone, that we've always had the disease. We've always, the movements, radical movements in America have always had the sort of the inoculated disease of infighting and that, you know, all that. But right now it seems to be raging just a little bit more. And it's a shame because we got people on the streets that need us. We have a democracy that needs us. Stuff hasn't changed there. We need a vital peace movement. Um, I, while I was gone for last weekend, I watched this video about the 70-year campaign that was the suffragettes battle, three generations battle. It took them 70 years to get the right to vote, 70 years of nonstop campaigning. And I watched the footage, and I see thousands of women marching the streets, and in their rallies, they were amazingly organized. Like, they would structure their marches. I take notes on these things. I'm such a nerd. They would structure their marches. They would uh, march based on profession. They would march in different colors and in different patterns. They would bring floats. They'd have different themes and march in the thousands. And it was a, they were called terrorists in England. And it, um, and then I see today and I'm like, you know, where is that? Where are we? Anyway, you're listening to WOZO 103.9 LPFM. And I'm going to play some more music, People's Radio. 
There we go. Sorry about that. <laughs> People's Radio.
did let the fight kind of spill over a bit into my show. I had to drop all sort of the, that negativity I picked up on and sort of get more proactive because it ain't my world. I'm staying out of the, that particular bickering. I'm focused on material stuff. So here's how you can help. Uh, it's raining, as you may have noticed. Uh, when we did the last protest with the tent protest, we saw that we, as an afterthought, uh, some of us had said, hey, bring some tarps, by the way, and tents. Some of the folks that were living in the tents and the tarps nearby had asked for them specifically and said, hey, and they showed up. I got uh, hugged. Um, but the they showed up, and I was just amazed because we got our tents up. We're doing the protest. Everybody were chalking the area effectively. That went really well, by the way. A banner would go well there as well. Uh, but what, you know, why somebody, we brought food. We had a table put up. We had, um, medics come from the Appalachia Panthers. We had sort of the, the full deal. Um, like I said, field medics. We had a truck come with gear and give out stuff in the back of the truck. It was a protest. So that really wasn't our focus, but we did it. And what I was surprised was I ended up with this big pile of tarps and rain gear on the back of my car. The people brought. I mean, some people didn't even come to the protest. They just stopped and handed them to me. And I threw them on the back of the car. And it's like, all right, well, we'll just give this out to anybody who looks like they need one as they come by. And they were gone. I mean, like individually handed out too. I, you know, when you, you hand them out and just to one person, it ends up being a, a um, currency and they were gone. And I was fascinated by that, you know, cause I'm, like I said, I, when I say I'm a logistics based organizer, I'm serious. And I noticed things like that. And it got to that sort of logistics part of me. I was like, huh, I wonder how many of those tarps I could have, we could have actually given out. I wonder how much rain gear, how much would it take to saturate the, the, the demand for, and I just want a number in my head. So a bunch of us talked about it. And this Sunday, we didn't have time to put together another protest. The one is coming. Uh, I'm going to suggest that we put tents up in front of the next city council meeting in that yard in the back, in the front. But this Sunday at two, we're going to bring uh, tarps and you can get them at big lots, not the huge massive ones that you cover like your bass boat with, but the smaller ones that you would like camp with that are still in plastic. And uh, we're going to grab some of those. And I also think you can get some uh, yellow rain gear packages at freight, Harbor Freight, somebody said, for like six bucks for a package. It'd help us out by bringing uh, two o'clock at the Blackstock site, uh, some tarps, twine, and some rain gear. That's logistic support. That's being a real ally. That's mutual aid. 
and um, help us in that mutual aid. We're also going to talk about our next actual protest protest because it needs to happen. Uh, the and we need to be putting trying these tent strategy, this tent tactic out, some more lively actions. And I've just got you know one idea is that we need to do it at the next county commission meeting or city 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 council meeting. While they're outside, let's put some tarps up. And we need to have more handout information to give them and flyers. We need to get the word out because logic and rationality and common dang sense is on our side. We just need to like put those arguments in a line and say, look, here's why it's a bad idea. One, you take people's prescription medications away that may have touches of schizophrenia or hear voices. They're not going to get magically better, even if you pray over them. It's not going to get better when you get rid of their prescription medications, when you get rid of their medications. When you take somebody who doesn't have shelter or is living in tents with tarps and you throw it all the way in the rainy season, they're not going to get less desperate. I mean, it sounds silly to make these arguments because it's just such common sense, but our freaking city apparently lacks in basic, well, it's not just common sense. I think they know. I think they must know what they're doing is wrong somewhere. I mean, unless they're completely dead inside and lacking all empathy. And then we got a completely different problem. That is a mental illness of its own, a, you know, sociopath, which is what our city is basically acting like. A lot, our city is acting like a If it was a human being, we would define it as a human being with no, but that's the state as well. I, what am I, an anarchist suddenly acting like, oh my God, I can't believe the murderous state, kill state, is doing, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's its history, really. But we need to up the game. We got to create some tension. We got to make some stress. We're going to have to break some eggs. We've got to make it an issue right now. Everybody's too dang relaxed. And even Martin Luther King said, you know, he called it creative tension. If there's no tension, there is no action. Relaxed people don't change their behavior. And our city seems quite comfortable. And we need to afflict the comfortable. It's not poor people that are demanding our, pushing our city government to drive these, shut these homeless camps out. I guarantee you it's not poor people that have the ear of the mayor. It's not the poor people that has the ear of some of the city council people. Except, of course, Amelia Parker, who it's mostly the poor and the underserved and the underprivileged. And we need a hundred Miss Parkers, but we only have one, alas, and she is way outnumbered. We need to create tension. But part of the problem of creating that tension is the C, no, it's the YCDTs, YCDTs, what my friend Doc used to call the, you can't do that. Every significant action I have ever been part of, organizing, been near, been around, anywhere in the world, if it's going to have any effect, if it creates any successful tension, there will always be some, you can't do that. They come out, you can't do that. And Martin Luther King had to deal with you can't do that. He wrote about him from the letter from the Birmingham jail much more diplomatically than I did. But he was dealing with the you can't do that. You know, and I mentioned the suffragette movement that I had watched this uh, documentary. I think it was from PBS called The Vote. And it's amazing. It's really good. I recommend it. It's like eyes on the prize, but for uh, the women's rights movements, uh, the women's civil rights movement. It was a civil rights movement. And that's one definition. And it was the, the right to vote was not given. It was taken. It was demanded. It was forced. It was fought for. It was organized for. 
Whenever, I will never, never use my vocabulary when women were given the right to vote. It's like we get, we wrapped it up in a present and said, here you go, ladies. We, we saw Christmas was coming up and we thought you might like to be enfranchised. No, it was a 76 year brutal campaign. Women were force fed in prisons. Here's the interesting part though. In that, I found there was this reporter and they did a poll and the, the paper was biased, but they found that they estimated and they printed this in the paper that 50% of American women were against the right to vote. Now, that sounds ridiculous. And you're thinking, and of course, you'd probably be right, biased male reporter, biased paper. But they showed a footage of Woodrow Wilson right before he came over and said, yes, we need to enfranchise women because he fought it for a long time. It was bitter. He got hundreds of letters. And in the video, they show the footage of him sitting at his desk with hundreds of letters of women saying, don't give us the right to vote. Give us this blessed, blessed, relaxed period for just a little bit longer. Just for a little bit longer, please. And I was shocked to my boots. I was like, oh my God. And then I wasn't. You can't do that. You know, change, there's always going to be people that are going to be reactionaries. Whenever any kind of change happens, they're going to be automatic. You can't, it's threatening. It's threatening for a lot of reasons. It's threatening to people when you're actually doing stuff because it asks them, why aren't you doing something? Why are you doing just talking? Talking is not action. It's not logistics. It's not moving food, tents, tarps, people, protesting, being in the streets. Talking is just that. And fighting with one another is not substitute for work either. It's like all the smoke and mirrors people go through to hide the fact they're not really doing anything. And when people actually start hitting, and you look at every America Occupy, the pro, the, the suffragettes right to vote, I would defy you the civil rights movement to find a single meaningful movement in this history where they're the you can't do that's haven't come out of the cracks. Indeed, I would have argued, especially when we had the first anti KKK and Nazi rallies, I got so used to hearing their singing praises that I didn't feel like I was doing anything until I started hearing the you can't do that's. That's like hearing in the woods, like a bird starts singing going, oh, hey, hey, looks like we may be creating tension because we, I think relaxed people who are on, you know, they, they don't, they don't, uh, they don't say that. They're like, yeah, you can do that. I don't care. Now you can, if you want to just sit there and post some of your, uh, your righteous indignation, we've got to get off the internet and on the streets. We got to get off the internet and on the streets and, um, and yeah, but I, that was, you know, 76 years seeing that, I was like, wow, even throughout their movement, they were plagued with people. In fact, in Tennessee, in Nashville, when they, they thought they were going to lose the right, Tennessee ended up boiling down to being the last state. It was Tennessee and North Carolina for this, the enfranchisement of giving of, for women to be able to vote. And they thought they lost Tennessee. Uh, all the organizers, they were like, yeah, we're doomed, man, because they did the count. They did the numbers. But what was interesting, in the same building, because they brought all the women, because people came off the sidelines. You had women that spent their lives and their careers organizing and fighting for the right to vote in the context of that movement. That was what they did. That was their careers. Uh, they fought full-time. They were full-time activists, full-time revolutionaries, full-time radicals. And it was radicals, by the way, and considered radical when they did this. It wasn't like the mainstream people or the you-can't-do-that's. But what was interesting was while they, they had a hotel in Nashville that they were sort of 
coordinating their operations with the you know they had a whole group, like posse of people that were here they were trying to get uh put pressure on our general assembly to grant suffrage the right to vote but in the same hotel the counter operations of the women's organizations which had been hyped a little bit from uh, money from sweet sweet alcohol were doing the same thing they were in the same building Boy, that would be some awkward. Can you imagine being a woman fighting for your right to vote your entire life, running into women that were fighting against your right to vote and enfranchisement in the same building? But they won. They won. That's why we have those statues down. But we can do that. We can do that. In fact, we must do that. We should do that. It's healthy for us psychologically to take meaningful, concrete, logistics space actions to do that to create tension we can march we can lock ourselves to bulldozers we can do tree sits platforms occupations placards tent protests tent occupations we can do that we can video the cops we can bring tarps we can bring food we can do that indeed we must do that because the alternative is you won't be able to do that at all <laughs> especially as the numbers increase of the homeless population but I guess in my babbling, uh, if I'm giving one message to you all, don't listen to the you can't do that's. And don't fall for the delusional idea that talk is a substitute for action. If you're going to be an anarchist or an activist, try to focus on the logistics part of it. Moving the soup, cutting the vegetables, getting the supplies out. Do the work. And then you can talk about, get used to working to one another physically. Because also people that work together physically and physically organize actions and protest and work together are less likely to fight over minutia. It's just period. You compare like a Food Not Bombs group out of San Francisco, which is 95% get the vegetables, move the soup, do the blah, blah, with a group that's talk-based. And you're going to find the logistics-based group handle uh, when things go wrong. They expect it. That's just part of it. Car trucks break, the soup burns, you spill everything, the person didn't show up, where are the forks? And you just get in the habit of being able to problem solve. You know, you're just like, ah, oh, that's just more and more and more. And when you get a group of people that can problem solve like that, you're developing a weapon for social change. You're developing a squadron, some momentum, movement, shall I say. And when all you're doing is just sort of talking and Ally building and coalition building and da 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 and get so focused up in the word world and not what's actually happening on the streets, then you really can't do that. Anyway, hopefully I've outraged some people at least a little bit. <laughs> outraged some of my listeners at least. You know, they're like, oh my God, he's just, please, more music. I'm tired. But hey, you knew what you were getting when you were tuning into a show called Anarchy Now. That it periodically you would get some political ramblings by this crusty. Thank you so much for listening. Um, yeah, you can get me online. I just play some stuff, uh, more rainy day music. Hi, fellow white people. Are you having a sad because that family's enjoying a picnic in the park while being black? Did that customer in front of you just speak a language that makes you irrationally angry? Well, this is a great time to try. Mind your own fucking business. With mind your own fucking business. You'll be able to grow the fuck up and act like a decent fucking human being. Our patented technology allows you to pull your head out of your ass and see the world beyond the brim of your MAGA hat. Hi, honey. I saw some black people at the Starbucks today. Did you mind your own fucking business? I sure fucking did. <laughs> 
stop bothering those nice people today with mind your own f***ing business. Side effects may include not harassing people, no one getting arrested or murdered by police, a general sense of well-being for people of color, a lack of internet fame and or trolling and coexistence. Please consult your doctor if you are still a piece of after minding your own f***ing business as the symptoms may be a result of a deeper problem and require further treatment. Now available at Anthropology and Whole Foods.